So I was about six or seven years old when my mom and my dad and my three older sisters and I set out on one of those classic American summer vacations. We were going to drive from our home in southern Illinois all the way down to Florida. And we're going to go to the beach and Cape Canaveral and Disney and Busch Gardens and Miami, the whole bit. It's going to be awesome. So we um, piled into our station wagon. This was the 70s. And we headed south. And my sisters and I started playing those those road trip games, you know, the license plate game or the or the roadside bingo game, all those things that are really just designed to drive the driver crazy. <laughs> but a couple hours into the trip, um, we ran into some car trouble. And we pulled off at a, at a service station. I don't remember what the problem was. I was pretty young. Um, and got it fixed, maybe an hour delay or so. And um, after that repair, we headed on south. And that heading on south might have been a little bit of hubris on my father's part. So while my memories of that trip should have been filled with the beaches and the thrill rides at Disney and all those sorts of things, what I really remember is that we broke down a lot. (laughs) A lot. And the fact that we ever made it to Florida at all is sort of a miracle. I don't really remember how many times we actually, the car broke down, but um, there was this one time outside of Atlanta, about 20 miles outside of Atlanta, where we broke down on the side of the freeway, and my um, the car wasn't going anywhere. And my father abandoned his wife and four young children <laughs> and hitchhiked. Again, this was the 70s. You could still do this. And hitchhiked. And, and we saw him get into some random pickup truck and drive off. No idea whether he was coming back. And um, so he did come back, with a, and he brought a tow truck. Um, and, of course, there were six of us, and we couldn't fit in the cab of a tow truck, so we actually got to ride in the car as it's being towed <laughs> into Atlanta, which, is a, from a six-year-old perspective, was really cool. It's like this 10-mile wheelie, right? <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. Um, but really... We, by the time we got to like Fort Lauderdale, I think we had replaced every major engine part in that car and the transmission. Now, to their great credit, my parents never actually gave up on the trip. We just kept going, right? And in my memories really do are, are of the beaches, of the time I spent with my family, of, the, of, the, of Disney. And, um, and, but I was thinking about it a few years ago as an adult. And thinking about what that meant for them, and I gotta imagine that their only desire was to get home. <laughs> Just let us get home, right? And I can't really imagine why they ever took us on another trip, um, but they did. So this Memorial Day weekend is kind of the traditional start of the summer season. This is the time of year when schools start to let out and maybe some of us, not everybody, but some of us start to feel this pull, right? This restless pull to get out of town. You know, we spend so much of our time filled to overflowing with work, with school, with our activities, all the busyness of our living. We fill that time so much that we really long for a break, for a change of pace, for a change of scenery 
What we long for is that vacation, right? And many folks I talk to these days share this really deep aspiration for a vacation that will allow us to recharge our depleted energy. And, we, and I think we need one of those vacations like we see in the ads. And you can imagine it with me, right? Okay. It's that empty beach. That sole beach chair with the little umbrella. The sapphire surf crashing onto the golden sand. A warm, clear sky. Maybe a little breeze. Some really nice people who will bring us drinks with little umbrellas in it. <laughs> All right? You with me? Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Far away from the rush and worry of our lives. Come on. Let's just leave the busyness of our lives and let it all empty out and relax. And so as we feel that pull, we start planning. Many of you are doing it right now. (laughs) But the problem is, is that when we start to do this planning, we plan our vacations, our time off, We tend to fill them up with destinations, with the things to do, with people to go see, with those once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. And what we're doing is we're focusing on setting up a perfect experience of life outside of our own lives. And I think we do this because we're very much aware that our time off is limited. Maybe we get a week, maybe two if we're lucky out of the year, right? Some of us maybe can best we can hope for is a three-day weekend like the one we're in now. That limitation of time, I think, triggers in us this sense of scarcity. And so as we head off into our vacations, we feel like we need to fill up that time with the stuff, the people and the places and the destinations, lest we miss the, that blessed opportunity to experience perfect rest. Or for some of us, that scarcity of time gets us caught in the trap of of our electronic connectedness, right? And so even as we're off on vacation, we're we're checking the email and, and we're doing a little bit of work, checking the voicemails, working even as we're telling ourselves we're taking the time off. And for some of us, in that scarcity of time, that desire to hold on to it, We end up like a man in a poem by Wendell Berry. And Berry writes, Once there was a man who filmed his vacation. He went flying down the river in his boat with a video camera up to his eye, making a moving picture of the moving river upon which his sleek boat moved swiftly towards the end of his vacation. He showed his vacation to his camera, which pictured it, preserving it forever. The river, the trees, the sky, the light, the bow of his rushing boat behind which he stood with his camera, preserving his vacation even as he was having it so that after he had had it, he would still have it. (laughs) It would be there. With a flick of a switch, there it would be. But he would not be in it. He would never be in it. Sometimes, perhaps often for many of us, There's this disconnect between the vacation we dream about, the one we plan, the one we spend months imagining, and the one we come home from. How many of you have returned from vacation and felt even more depleted than you were when you left? How many of you, in the days following your return, have 
taken a look around at the work that still needs to be done and the laundry that needs to be done and all those things you got to do to catch up and thought, I need a vacation from my vacation. <laughs> I think our desire, this is this paradox, our desire to, to leave our lives empty for a while has drained us even more. And when we return to our normal lives, we are exhausted and depleted as ever. So what do we do? We begin to plan again with the optimistic hope that the next vacation will be the restful recharge that we so desperately desire. And there we're in this cycle. So how do we break it? How do we break out of this cycle? And I think we do this in the simplest way. We stop taking vacations. Our vacations won't ever be fulfilling, not in the way we typically do them. So I invite you to stop planning them, stop scheduling them, to stop taking them. Just just stop. And in place of our vacations, I would like to offer an alternative. Not in what you do with your time off of work or school or whatever it is you take time off from. Not an alternative place to go if you go anywhere, but in how you might be attentive to it. So we Americans tend to refer to this time off of work and school and all these activities as vacation. And vacation shares its etymological roots with words like vacate and vacant. It means to leave empty. And at a certain level, that emptiness feels appealing, right? We're so busy. Our lives are so busy, and what we just want to do is empty it out and rest. And we imagine that the resulting emptiness found in vacating our lives will be blessed with relaxation and rejuvenation, but so often it isn't. The British, on the other hand, use a different term. They refer to their time off of work and school and etc. as holiday. Holiday. Holiday is from an old English term for holy day. Holiday is a holy day. Holiday evokes a sense of something much richer, much deeper, much more connected to our living than does vacancy. Holiday evokes a sense of ritual and demarcation of sacred sacred time. If one is to travel during a holiday, that travel becomes pilgrimage, if, and that destination becomes sacred space. And in holiday, there is rest. There is rest. But it's a different kind of rest, a rest that instead of depleting us, that recharges our soul, that reconnects us to the world and to each other, a rest that because being vacant from your lives isn't going to be restful, it's going to be empty. And the rest of holiday brings to us wholeness, that fullness that comes from our soul being charged. Several years ago, Caroline and Sydney and Grace and I were invited um, by three other families of our church community in Des Moines to travel to Estes Park, Colorado. And together, as, as these four families, we'd rent one cabin and cram ourselves in there 
and spend the week at the YMCA Camp of the Rockies. It's near the entrance to the Rocky Rocky Mountain National Park. So we said yes to this invitation, even though our introverted selves wondered how we were going to survive a week with three other families. That's a total of nine children and eight adults. And that total made me, well, a little bit anxious about whether or not this trip would be rejuvenating (laughs) or utterly depleting. Still, this trip would be sort of a pilgrimage for me because when I was a kid, my family would go to Estes Park every three or four years, and I hadn't been there in, in 20 or more. And going back as an adult with my own children, that would connect me back to the days with my parents and sisters, that smell of the pine forest, the columbine, the rush of the late spring runoff, the clearness of the air, and the astounding beauty of that place. So with that sense of hopefulness and possibility, we went. And indeed, that trip became a holiday, perhaps my first real holiday. The families, we had all agreed from the start that there would actually be minimal expectation that we have to do everything together. And our only planned communal activity was an evening meal where each night we were there, one family would prepare the food for everyone. And this ritual of preparing and sharing food together became sort of a spiritual grounding of our time together. A combination of generosity and gratitude mixed in with a heaping dose of laughter. And during those meals, we really got to know each other a lot better. We found out our quirks, our annoyances, We found out about what we loved. We learned each other's stories. The remainder of our time, we were absolutely free to spend together, however we wished, or alone, as our hearts would call to us in the moment. Some days we would hike into the mountains together as a big group, and others I would spend reading a book while sitting on the porch or maybe taking a nap or maybe going down to the camp with the kids and creating art. And it was during this time that I became really intimately aware of the beauty of the setting. The mountains, the streams, the occasional bizarre snow shower when the temperature had been 72 degrees an hour before. I began to feel the space around us as sacred because no matter how I was feeling, no matter how I was doing or what I was doing at the moment, this place held me, held us in wonder and beauty and peace and we or at least I began to feel that sense of rest that vacations had never seemed to have before Carol Hauslander writes beautifully about this sense of rest this sense of holy rest and she says think of a child asleep in her mother's arms the abandon with which she gives herself to sleep can only be because she has complete trust in the arms that hold her. She is not lying asleep on that heart because she is worn out with anxiety. She is asleep there because it is a delight to her to be asleep there. And the mother rests too. The mother rests too. She rests in her child's rest. Rest, this rest is a communion between them. It is a culmination 
of content. On the child's part, trust in her mother. On the mother's part, sheer joy in the power of her love to sustain a life. On this trip to Colorado, I found myself resting, resting with abandon in the arms of our friends, in the arms of my family, in the arms of the land, a land that was different from my home, but still, it still embraced my heart. This rest for me was a communion, for as I was held, so too I held my friends, so too I held my family, so too I held the land. I held them with love, with awe, with wonder, and compassion. I didn't film that trip. I couldn't. I was in it. And isn't that what we are seeking when we ponder our own rest, when we start to plan these times off? That sense of abundance and joy and love and trust and delight. What we seek is not the emptiness of vacancy, but a holy emptiness. The possibility of space in our lives to rest in the arms of those people and those places that hold us in peace. At Wellsprings, we often use the metaphor of the caterpillar becoming the butterfly. This, this potential of new life that rests within us. But for that metamorphosis to take place, there must first be rest. A holy rest in the arms of a cocoon. Entrusted communion with the sun and the earth. And from this rest, new life emerges, charged full and beautiful. That rest is holy. It is sacred time and space from which wholeness is created and recreated. Time and again. And then there's the really good news. We don't have to go anywhere to find this holy emptiness. It is here, available to us now and today. We don't need time off. We don't need time away. All of our days carry the possibility of being holidays, holy days where we can rest in the arms of our families, of our friends, of the world that surround us. We can rest because we can trust in the love and grace and compassion that we have to hold them and in their love and grace and compassion to hold us. Unitarian Universalist minister Reverend Bruce Marshall wrote that in the mystical religious traditions it is taught that if a person is too full that God cannot enter. There is no room. He goes on to say that our religious task, our religious task is not to fill ourselves with information, with thoughts or opinions, I might add with activities. Our religious task is to be emptied. So this weekend, as we begin this summer season, it is this sort of holy emptiness that I hope for you in the coming days. And my prayer is that we may live each of our days, whether at home or away from it, as holidays, as holy days. Maybe so.
Amen. Let's pray together. God, we are blessed to be together, to be held in the arms of these people, our friends, our families, the people of this world. We are blessed to have the opportunity to rest and trust and love. May we emerge from our rests chargeful, beautiful, and in flight. Amen.